With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey gang, want to win tickets to one of the big games in London this autumn? Well, your wish is our command. We have teamed up with DraftKings and set up a brand new Nat Coombe show, Listener League, where you can go head to head every week with all your faves from the show and plenty of your fellow show listeners. Lots of prizes on offer throughout the season, including the chance to win tickets to Broncos, Jags later on this year. You've got to be in it to win it. So head on over to dkng.co forward slash Nat Show. dkng.co forward slash Nat Show or Hit the link in the show bio, the show episode notes, or head on over to Twitter at the NC Show. Check the pin tweet, click the link there, and it'll take you to the Nat Coombs Show Listener League. Get involved. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. It. Here he is, folks. TikTok's latest star. <laughs> so imagine my surprise, I had Mike, when my WhatsApp starts pigging off the hook about oh, 7.30 last night saying, oh my God, have you seen this? I'm Mike's gone viral on TikTok. And there you um, are. Am I on TikTok again? Do you, is it the same one as before? Because you're... Is it me sitting in a chair having Harry Styles explained to me? It's exactly that. Yeah. yeah. But I, I okay. don't know. That's, that's from a couple of weeks ago. Oh, well, it's still yeah. going strong because you're yeah. now up to, let me tell you, Iron Mike, uh, as you explained to our listeners what that was all about, I will do a, a, a late... Yeah, my, my girlfriend's... Uh, my girlfriend and her daughters went to a Harry Styles concert mm-hmm. and she was trying to explain to me why the crowd was singing along with a... A song first begging, begging for, and then singing along with a song called "Leave America" mm-hmm. because they wanted him to leave America and come back to Britain. Apparently, and I was saying, "Yes, I got that," <laughs> and she was trying to explain it. So I started asking silly questions. She's like, "All the English Irish fans? Oh, there's Irish fans there. How do you know? Did you take a poll? You know, it's like, uh, oh, they're in Dublin." And so she kept getting more frustrated. More frustrated. Me. Well, you are a, 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 tw- a TikTok phenomenon, I might, because you're up to 150,000 views of this now. It's been shared almost a thousand times, bookmarked, or whatever the hell those TikTokers call it, five thousand times. Wow. Carson, you're rolling. You're well, rolling apparently, yeah, apparently, according to her daughter, um, um, other. Other of of her Tic Tacs are are much more popular. It's not actually the best one, but there were also lots of um, leering, leering um, 
leering tic-tackers uh admire admiring her mother (laughs) (laughs) oh there was all kinds of stuff going on social media including most importantly mike's mailbag mayhem that's what we're back for or in for a bumper mailbag again unsurprisingly so we're going to do our best to get through as many of these as we can i'm mike so enough of the joke. And it's not just any Mike's, any Monday morning, Matt Coombs podcast, but a Monday Mike Mayhem mailbag podcast. Recorded on Tuesday. Recorded uh, on Tuesday, go. released on Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, we'll <think> <laughs> dead, on, dead on Thursday. Well, I was hoping to release it today, but this is something I wanted to bring up with you. I'm worried about Ollie, just slacking. You know, here we are, left to our own devices yet again. And the message I get from Ollie is, oh, well, I'm a bit round today, so it's probably go out tomorrow. I mean, what what do we need to do here? Do we need to do we need to well, bring it's him not in for like we need, Yeah, it's not like we need to be heavily edited. I mean, you know, <laughs> I know I know you do the Optimistic. intro, you do the intro and outro ninety three times at least. That. But, that's yeah. the over under. So, yeah. <laughs> but you know, actually, Ali said to Ali, he said, "Oh, you you know, you and Nat will be on your own." I said, mm. "Was it something that I've said mm. on top of all the other things I've said?" <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe you've offended Ollie. He's never around. No, he no, he said he he made a TikTok reference as well. So <laughs> yeah, it's all the rage. We maybe because he's intimidated by my stardom. That's what it is. I mean, he's the generation that should be burning it on TikTok. But here we are, Iron Mike flying the flag, of course, because the NC show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at the NC show, still no TikTok. So we uh, might go back to the original game plan, the 1.0 game plan of Mike running TikTok for, the, for this season. I think doesn't might- TikTok have a time limit like on on posts though? You're thinking like a snap? Oh yeah, so the length of post. Yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. That's a kind of like. Kind of like Twitter being, you know, 280 characters or whatever. Yeah, well, it is. they tore that up, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'd have trouble with like the one. Actually, you know, that's not quite true because I used to do all of those um, NFL highlights, yes. those packages we used to do. And they were all cut to sort of a minute, minute five. That kind of, I had no problem getting under that when I was doing my my little commentaries on them. Yeah, when your hand is forced, it sometimes brings out your best work as well. So it's, true. it's a fair yeah. point, Iron Mike. All right, let's get down to it. We're going to start with, and thank you, by the way, everybody, for getting uh, questions across to us. And if we don't get them all in today, we will do our best. We flag them all. We like them on the platforms. We'll try and sneak them in uh, because I'm like every Monday through the season. You can count on it right here on the- Really? Internet. Starting when? Well, yeah, because we're Wednesday now. In the season? Uh, it will be in the season, yeah. The first, oh, okay. week, of the first week of the season. I okay, the season. I got that. I'll put it in the diary. Because we are four times a week during the season as well. How about them apples? Right. We'll go first to Abyssinia later because I just love the title. I love the handle. I mean, brilliant stuff. <laughs> Abyssinia later. Uh, is it's Buff- highly, that's a highly Selassie title. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Is Buffalo, asks Abyssinia, being overhyped? A Buffalo being overhyped? And it's unusual territory, isn't it, for the Bills? Because... What, yeah. the last three or four years, they've been emerging contenders. Now they're hot phase. So how do you think they'll fare with that transition? Well, it's always tough to be the favorite. Um, I think this year, and, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, it, it seems to me, but there are fewer outstanding teams out there, whether it's a, you know, a dearth of top quality quarterbacks, whether it's the difficulty of maintaining depth, whether it's the, the shorter preseason and, and practice time that you have. I'm not, I'm not sure what, but um, you know, there's really only when you look at the odds that the bookies have, and they're, they're usually fairly accurate, you know, in general on that for the Super Bowl, you know, you've got four teams that are 12 to one, or less, which starts with Buffalo, you know, sort of then they're the favorites. And then Tampa, Kansas City, Green Bay are, are sort of like the, the other four. Mm. And I think based on last year's performance, the Bills were good, very good, 
not necessarily great, but they're going to be better, I think, this year. You know, and they have taken steps to imp- improve that team. You know, plus, you know, they get Tredavious White back, which mm-hmm. I think is probably the biggest step because it, it really solidifies that defense. And it's a very difficult defense to score on. So Sean McDermott is great at keeping everything in front of you, you know, two two Z deep zone, which is what you know most teams are playing. They added Vaughn Miller, you know, they added uh, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle for depth, basically. And, but um, you know, they they also Elam, Tahir Elam in the first round, the you know, cornerback makes them a lot better. Um, James Cook may make them a whole lot better at running back, assuming, mm-hmm. you know, and remember, um Singletary had a great second half. Singletary, season, Singletary so. had a good second half, but but having a second back there with more, you know, with more versatility, mm. um, you know, you can't hurt. And then they, you know, it's even like their punter now was the rage last week in the exhibition game where he kicked the 82 yard punt, you know, and, and, uh, we love some it's, punter knees on this show. And Mike, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, Oh, not, not great direction too much on it. It was a touchback. Well, yeah. An 82 yard punt with a touchback is still a 62 <laughs> yard net. You'll take, you'll take that. It's likely, exactly. <laughs> what about Ken Dorsey, the new offensive coordinator? Uh, That's the biggest question. Yeah. Question, I think there was yeah. an interesting quote on from Josh Allen, who said, I think when he got here three years ago and Dorsey got here three years ago, because, of course, he's been the erstwhile quarterbacks coach at Buffalo. My career definitely changed. Now, obviously, that is spot on that in the last three years, the, the rate of progression, the scale of a significant progression that we've seen from Allen has maybe been uh, unlike any other player in the NFL, right? Just how how far he's come certainly certainly for quarterbacks especially because one thing one of the like you know axioms of quarterback was you can't teach accuracy to a quarterback and accuracy was his big issue coming out of college and he's a much more accurate passer than he was um now the question to me is and brian dayball regardless of what happens you know in in new york with the giants and i actually think he'll probably do pretty well Mm. um does the offense go with Brian Dayball or does it stay with Dorsey? Mm. Is Dorsey's relationship with Allen or is it big picture stuff? You know, how much of it was Dayball, how much of it was Dorsey? That's an unanswered question. But like I said, I think there's enough talent there so that the the answer is not is not necessarily crucial because Allen has a lot of and you and you know and one thing about Buffalo, Buffalo and Cincinnati were similar in the sense that they both had great finishes to the season. Mm. And one thing that happened toward the end of the season with Buffalo is that Josh Allen ran more. Yeah, you know, they they kept him out of designed run plays. Um, a lot from I would think I would guess you know for the first two, well twelve games say you know or so, and then they opened it up a bit more as the season went on and as 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 they sort of needed to and. I make the point over and over again. I have all summer. If Buffalo doesn't melt down, um, and if if um, Jaquiski Tart doesn't drop an interception, you know we could have had a different different, different Bowl, kind yeah. of Super Bowl. You know, for sure. It's Although a, you can say the same thing for the Chiefs as well. But it, they are, I mean, yeah, right. And but the fine margins. It's it's a very fair point that they are so close. Going back to the original question, are they being overhyped? Probably not. If you think about. Year on year, as you said, they, they've been fundamentally enhanced. Although Cole Beasley, how significant a loss will that be to the offense? I love Khalil Shakir. 
except he dropped a lot of passes in college. Um, now, if you can cure Josh Allen of inaccuracy, you might be able to cure him of drop the dropsies because <laughs> right. he does everything else well. I mean, he, he's and, you know, and they they signed to Austin. They signed Jamison Crowder. Um, they've got Isaiah McKenzie, who's not really a slot receiver. He's not really a, a root runner or anything, but he's a um, a kind of gadget gadget play guy. You know, mm-hmm. you can use in a lot of different ways. So I don't think that's a huge loss for them. Um, they do really have it really is a two man receiving core. Mm. You know, they're, they're the third wide receiver three is nowhere near the quality of of Gabriel Davis um, or or um, Diggs, Stefan Diggs. So that that could be that could be a problem. But they also throw a lot to Dawson Knox. And I think, as I said at the beginning, with Cook in the backfield, they'll throw a lot more to the backs downfield. OK, good stuff uh, from. You are Mike to get things started. Thanks for the question, Abyssinia Later. Let's go next to uh, another great Twitter handle. I think it's fair to say, Iron Mike. Average safety guy. So he's, <laughs> I don't know if he's a safe. Is he a safety that just feels he's middle of the pack? Does he work in health and safety? It's not clear. <laughs> um, and I don't think we'll know the answer to that today anyway. But by all means, get in touch with us, average safety guy, to clarify that. It's a great question, nevertheless. Who is going to start the season as the best backup quarterback? In the league, I could well, be. I, it could be. It could be Mitch Trubisky, right? If it's a difficult, job. difficult question to answer at this stage. It also depends. I say I would say Jimmy G, but <laughs> sure. I mean, um, he's only he's only nominally a backup now. He's not actually right. The back, the backup. He's, he's just there. Back. He's just yeah. hanging, hanging out. Wait, did you see that interesting story about Jimmy G going AWOL? Have you seen? Have you seen? Well, it's funny. I, I wrote about this in my Patreon column last weekend because. Um, it made no sense. I mean, it was hard to think of where the story came from because mm. no one on the Chiefs would be wanting to question his value or decrease his value. The 49ers, as, you mean? As the 49ers, yeah, as um, as trade bait. Mm. You know, and that followed the ones from the people at the Patriots, or not people, ex-players at the Patriots, who said, you know, he he didn't play when his non-throwing shoulder was hurt and and Jacoby Brissett had to take the fourth start of Brady's suspension, yes. even though Brissett had an injured passing hand. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. Therefore, couldn't throw the ball, and everyone was disappointed by that. Um, it makes Jimmy G sound a lot like Aaron Rodgers um, <laughs> before the ayahuasca um, tea. But um, yeah, I think Trubisky's a good call because right now, I think. Um, it's a lot of picket momentum. Picket, there's it? a lot of picket charge. Yeah, um, <laughs> much better. <laughs> it's, it's like plus if you throw in Pickens, you got Pickett and Pickens coming along mm. as a as a you know it's like a a parlay, a two man parlay effort. Um, I, so I I'm a, I'm on the fence about Pickett. You know, I'm on the I'm on the line. <laughs> oh my! Ah, ooh, there you go. I did um, that quickly. But yeah, but yeah, you think call, oh, get you shooter, get shooter to call the picket fence? <laughs> okay, enough, enough of this nonsense. Do you think that? Do you think Pickett's going to win the gig? Because it feels like everybody's clamoring, and that's always the thing that the fans want him. Don't, well, yeah, don't I mean, town boy. One thing you have to remember is is, and I think Tomlin judges this very well because he was playing him against the top defense. Now you remember back in the days where you played four exhibition games and, mm. and you know, everyone more or less played a little bit and all. Mm. And then T then the punditerati, you know, would come, would say, well, remember it's all vanilla defenses. No one's going to give there. And that's still true, but now you don't even get the, the first string defense playing vanilla defense. You know, you get, you get, um, you get the third stringers playing Rocky road and, <laughs> and um 
So that so, but I think Tomlin had him in on that that good drive at the end mm. of the half, you know, which um, which which, and they you know they believed in him in the sense of taking him in the first round, and and you know, and they saw him at Pitt. You know, they they knew they knew what he could do, and Pitt and he's is, played a lot of ball at Pitt as well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, and he's, by he's, no means a powerhouse school, too. School, I mean, exactly, as Ben Ben's talked about on college days, and I, that's something that's overlooked, and it's, it kind of connects with the question we'll hear later on about rookies, but. There are some quarterbacks. The one that always springs to mind for me is Mark Sanchez, right? Who played 16 games, I think, at USC. Yeah. And then, you know, Donald came in as a young 21-year-old. Yeah. So there are different levels. Well, of- I mean, yeah, look at Trey Lance. He played one full season as a freshman right. at North Dakota State. So you're down a level and you only really have one season of tape. So mm. it was no surprise last year that he really didn't. He looked like he didn't really know what he was doing. You know? yeah. but, but I love him. I mean, I love the tape on him. Whether he's going to be better than Jimmy G would have been for the mm. Niners this year is another question. I think Trubisky's probably a good call if he doesn't start. Um, otherwise, um, Teddy Briss, Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. The famous Teddy um, B. Oh, we've got a question about him later. Gardner so Minshew. Um, Tyrod in, in New York. Tyrod. Uh, you know, Sam Darnold. Uh, nah. Yeah. Um, Dalton. Kate, Dalton at the same Case Keenum. I think Dalton shot, I mean, to be mm. honest. Um, yeah, I don't think he's still. I mean, know, we're talking backup. Colt, I mean, you always Colt say. McCoy. Colt McCoy is still rolling. As you always say, though, Mike, you know, backup quarterback, the the very best, will come in and will be error free as opposed to error yeah, prone. I mean, and, that's and that's absolutely true. Hold it for three or four games before they they yeah. turn the corner. So Dalton, you think can hold the Saints' offense if he had to, but in that capacity, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess Nick Foles is still Foles, around. Foles is a backup shot. too. Yeah, Foles. Matt Barkley's still around, which is great to see. But he's third on the. Yes, he would be. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Is Hollywood Matt Linett still in the NFL? I need to find that out. No. (laughs) Sadly, sadly, no. Yeah. Uh, Hot tub, uh, Hollywood Matt. All right. Next up. Thanks for that question, um, average safety guy. Next up from Stoffelis Prime. Oh, this is a goodie, Mike. You'll like this one. Which team goes worst to first this year? There's only like, one. There's only one that possibly could, I think. What are we qualifying as worst? Well, we're, last no, in their division. To, uh, last in to, their division to playoffs, maybe, or I don't know how far you want to take it. Non-playoffs to playoffs could be. Was well, that, that's that's not worst to first. I mean, worst is worst. You know. Okay. All right. Um, Go for the it. Ra- the Ravens were last in their division. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. To Cleveland, they had the same record, but they were last in their division. Um, and I think they win. I, I would pick them to win the, the division this time around. Um, although that's a tough division to pick. With Denver, only other, with Denver lost as well. Denver were seven and ten hmm. last year, but I don't think Denver wins that division. No, that's a, okay. that's a that's a I mean, in Cleveland's case, it's a balanced division. I'm sorry, mm. in Baltimore's case, it's a balanced division. And, you know, but Pittsburgh, you've got either Trubisky or a rookie quarterback. Brissett's going to play quarterback for the first 11 games in Cleveland unless they trade for um, Jimmy G. And um, do you think they will? And Cincinnati, Cincinnati's probably, you know, I wouldn't say they're the best team in the division, but they're mm. probably the healthiest, and you know everything is sort of set as to what they're they're mm. going to have. If I were if I were the see the Niners are in a bind now, mm. they they um, they can they can keep him as a backup. They can put him on pup or something like that um, 
for a while, but they don't want to pay him $24 million to do that. They can trade him, but everyone's probably at this stage knows that they need to get rid of him. So it's going to be hard to engineer a trade unless somebody's really desperate. Mm. And the only team I can think of that's that desperate right now is Seattle, but Seattle doesn't want to admit that they're that desperate. And on this show, we will not admit it either. And Drew Lock, we trust, as you well yeah, know. So, you know, and, and they don't want to, you know, I think they would give Jimmy a G away cheaply mm. just to get out from underneath the contract. They, but if they yeah. cut him, they save a lot of money, obviously. So, but but um, they wouldn't trade him to Seattle, I don't think. I don't think they want to see him coming back um, once a year mm. and playing twice a year against them. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Hey, one more on the worst of first. Detroit, a lot of buzz about Detroit. Yeah. Again, I, you know, that's a big jump to be. Green Bay. I think, you know, Detroit is solid. Um, mm. Very great. They've got one of the best, I don't know, three or four offensive lines in the league, which which may, should make Jared Goff better. And, you know, and weirdly enough, when Dan Campbell sort of took over the play calling himself or handed it to Johnson, who's now the offensive coordinator, they improved a whole lot, you know, and um, if that continues, they're, they're actually, they've got it pretty much all the stuff you just you just wonder if dan campbell can you know it's kind of like it's kind of like neanderthal coaching in a way yeah. old old school football coaching where you know it's we're going to be tough and we're going to be you know and lots of people say it but very few coaches actually go through with it yeah, sure <laughs> you know? and it makes for good hard knocks it makes for good presser you're right that a lot of people are pulling for them as a result, you know, the underdogs and even even golf as a story. I think many people would like to see him succeed. And you and like, rem- you know, remember Goff. Now, he was handled with kids gloves by McVeigh, mm-hmm. but he took St. Louis to the Super Bowl. He just happened to run in with a team that defended McVeigh's system and him very well. And, and McVeigh didn't adjust to it, you know, on, on the fly. Yeah. But he's got. You know, he's got a certain amount of talent, you know, arm talent for sure. He just he's just um, you just have to make sure he's throwing clean Mm. and not with somebody in his face. Yeah, I guess uh, most quarterbacks like that, but certainly he's, he's in the, <laughs> to a greater uh, or lesser extent. You know, yeah, yeah, fair enough. And he's definitely uh, to the greater extent. All right. Good question uh, from stuff. Stoffelis Prime, appreciate that. All right, Alan Primrose next up, Mike. Which rookie will make the biggest impact this year? Jordan Davis. Oh, you have to think he's, for a moment. He's, he's my man, Jordan, Jordan Davis. He's going to make an impact. <laughs> it's going to be boom, impact. People That's are going to be falling in front of Jordan Davis. Both senses of the press. So um, he's on your list. Who else? He would be my favorite for like defensive rookie of the year right mm. now. But you never know. I mean, it, it all depends on on playing time. You know, um, if if Pickett were to start, if Pickens were to play really well in, in Pittsburgh, you know, that would be – um, Detroit, the what's Jamison Williams? Yeah, when he's, healthy, when he's healthy. I think he's a great fit there, and he can see a lot of balls. And one of the things you have to ask yourself with receivers is how many, you know, how much will they see the ball? How much impact will will they make with that? Mm. Um, Olavi, like in New Orleans, I'm not sure he gets to see enough. Um, um, 
And also someone like London might catch a lot of balls in Atlanta, but Atlanta will go three and 14 and no one sure. will care. Sure, um, yeah, right. Uh, it's an interesting point, actually, with the injury to Williams, that Detroit, that I think if he'd been fit all season long, they, uh, the, I still think they're a sneaky outside pick for for the playoffs, but I, I would have felt more confident with that pick if he'd been good to go from from day one. That's a fair point, you know, and, you know, and I see teams like Kansas City, for example, they, they've tried to replace... Um, Tyree. In fact, on both sides of the ball, but on but Tyreek Hill, they've tried to replace him basically with a with a mixture of guys. So you're right. going to provide provide him with more targets. So you've got Juju there, you've got MVS there. Um, but the, I liked, I really like Sky Sky Moore, the guy they drafted in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I compared him at one point to Steve Smith from the old Ravens guy, although he's not that as good. But but coming across the middle, stuff like that, he could see a lot of targets in that mm-hmm. offense and and you know be a surprise. And the other two guys I like um, uh, are offensive linemen Linderbaum in Baltimore, mm-hmm. the center that they took in the first round, and Zion Johnson in in uh, San Diego. Yep, yeah, in La- in Los Angeles with the Chargers, um, where I think he could make a, a real difference, and and um, to the point where if it gets really bad there, they might move him out to tack to right tackle. You, on that, and it kind of connects with the, the next question we got from Kelvin Farrell. Uh, well, I'll read the question first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll follow up after you've answered his question. With the likes of Chase and Jefferson exploding in their first years, do fans now expect too much from rookies, seeing people write off some of the 2022 picks already for preseason performance? Yeah, yeah. well, first off, again, don't pay attention to preseason. I mean, you know, At take all? what... Well, I mean... I mean, I look at preseason games and, and the first thing I'm looking at is how the referees are refereeing it. What are they, what are they letting the guys get away with? You know, mm. and and if you watch like the type the great touchdown catch Pickett made, that's what I was looking at. Pickett's literally stiff arming the defensive back who is grabbing his arms. <laughs> sure. And and it's all like let him play. And I'm I'm thinking this is why, you know, I, I wrote, I don't know what it was, 10 years ago. Basketballization of the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've talked NFL, about it many times. the NFL is very quickly becoming seven on seven skeleton drills. You know, and that's mm. an exaggeration, obviously, because you saw the impact Aaron Donald had, you know, in in the Super Bowl or Hendrickson and Hubbard had for the Bengals in, in the AFC championship. And so you can't, you know, you can't dismiss all of that. But the way that offense is played now is is really built on that kind of individual matchup and pushing and shoving and getting yourself free that 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 is like um so much easier in in a sense than than passing was even 15 years ago and certainly mm. way easier than it was you know in the days before the chuck chuck rule and stuff like that so so i think it's in that sense it's easier for receivers to make an immediate impact where it was for a long time. Another one of the truisms that receivers always took a year to learn how to run routes and Mm. to learn the the complications of NFL offenses as compared to their college offenses. But what's happened now is that NFL offenses have adapted those college offenses. So a guy like Jamar Chase can move right in to it's a more difficult, but basically similar kind of offensive scheme than he than he ran at LSU. Mm. Uh, receiver, if that has changed that in terms of acclimatization and, and, and speed of acclimatization, what about other positions? If you look at the, the the range of positions, both offensively and defensively for rookies, what would you say is the these days in twenty twenty two is the toughest 
outside of quarterback, I guess the toughest position to, to hit the ground running. You mentioned Lyman earlier on. So let's start there with the offensive line. Is it that a fairly straightforward plug and play kind of gig? If you're good enough. I mean, there aren't that many of them every year, but there's always a few surprises who, who come off. Um, and, uh, you know, because basically your technique is the same um, as it was in college. And and if you, so if you're, if you're, Technique is good enough if you're big enough, strong enough. You could, I mean, look at, mm. I, I suspect Cole Strange, for example, is going to wind up having a really good year and career mm. at, in New England. So, you know, unexpectedly, he'll be a plug and play guy. Zion Johnson, I think, is a plug and play guy. Linderbaum is a plug, plug and play guy. Mm. Defensive line's a little bit easier. Um, in the sense that you're you're react, you know, you're more reacting right. than you are, you know, you don't have to to go to a set kind of scheme or something. There are exceptions to that, but basically that, that's what you're that's what you're doing. Um and the hardest, I think, and it's not really because it's harder to understand, but we look at running backs, and for running backs to play a lot, they have to learn to pass block. And sometimes to run block too. Yeah. Some some offenses. And if you can't pass block, the team has a lot of problems keeping you in on certain downs because they don't want their quarterback killed by a guy who doesn't doesn't know what what he's doing. You know, and and it's you know even small guys can do it because sure. you know because just making the effort is usually enough to slow the defender down. Um, if you, you know, but that's one of the big jumps now. And I think secondary. Because of the change in offense, secondaries become a bit easier mm. um, because you you have you have more multiplicity now in in college, less pure man to man. But that takes that takes some learning as well, you know. And and you look at a good safety, and you can't assume he's going to step in and play a role in a defense that wants him to be you know, both a, both a deep single high and to go down into the box and cover, you know. That versatility, yeah, yeah. Easy, easier said than done. So just on on Kelvin's question, do you, is that your conclusion? Do you, uh, and do you think that's unique to the NFL or distinctive to the NFL? Or is this just the world we're in now, that expectation level's immediate right now? What oh, you done well, for? yeah, I mean, it, it, expectation levels were a lot lesser when you didn't have four months of 24-7 draft analysis coming out from all kinds of bozos, who, you know, <laughs> whose, <laughs> whose judgment is not necessarily any better than, you know, and certainly isn't, isn't the same. And I wouldn't say better or worse, but the same as the people who are actually making the draft calls, mm. you know, um, because sometimes you hear them and, you know, and I look at draft guides and things like that sometimes too. And some of them, you know, are still, they're still evaluating players by their college play and not by how they will project into, the, into, into a the different NFL. environment. Yeah. Yeah. And because, because the dip, I mean, I just come contradicting myself a little because the passing games up, but, but still the difference between the, the level of play at NFL and college is huge uh, because, and you know, you any player you talk to there are fewer, there's, to yeah there's so there's so many so many fewer weak links mm. um you know around the speed of the game is that much higher and you're professionals you're doing it you know all the time um in in 
<laughs> and there's, you know, that that's what happens with coaches who think they, you know, like the, the Urban Meyer thing. Oh, see, oh my, 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 my so I can see you going there as well. We see he's back into back into the broadcast uh, world, and we will move on before we get a deep deep charge. <laughs> I can't believe you went there. I was about to say that. Uh, now we love a hot seat question on this show. I mean, Uh-oh. I, we love that regularly, to be honest. But certainly at the start of a season, before any any single down of football has been played. We like to speculate as to who might be on the hot seat, let alone us, Andy Robson, by the end of November. So I like his precision there that all oh, that halfway. Of the halfway well, point. Yeah, that's Andy usually. Says, yeah, which head coach? So uh, I've made a little shortlist here. See whether you agree with this. I think Mike McCarthy uh, could well be if things don't roll easily and quickly in Dallas. Uh, obvious reasons. Matt Rule, I think, is a straightforward one because he feels like he is. Absolutely. Everybody wants yeah. Now, now, does Stefanski, because of everything, does he have a free hit this season? Or if things go, I think so. You think yeah. so? Even if they go yeah. horribly wrong, even if they're like kind yeah. of zero and nine or whatever they'll be by. Yeah, then. I mean, well, and if a team were to do that, then you. But basically, you know, who it depends on who in the building is going to get the blame. You know, and, mm. and odds are Jimmy Haslam's not going to blame himself. But I, I doubt if anybody anybody made a move on Deshaun Watson without the owner being, you know, signing off on it beforehand. Mm. Um, now the question is, did Stefanski beg for him and say, we've got to have him, you know, or not, we've got to get rid of Baker or not. I Somehow I can't see that, but you know, it's always possible. Would you uh, add any other names to that list? Um, I would think Ron Rivera. Mm. Uh, although I, I think they're a mess now and I don't think it's necessarily Ron Rivera's fault. Um, I wonder why Dan Snyder hasn't been, you know, it's one thing when you have 935 sexual harassment beefs against you and your, your co your uh, cronies. Mm. Um, but it's another when you're, when you're stealing the money from the visiting teams, <laughs> that's the kind of thing the NFL really thinks is, should think is bad. Hey, on, any- just on Washington, Daz, I'm going to dive into this because sure. it's a connected question. Is Jack Del Rio holding the Washington defense back? Now we've always loved Jack Del Rio. As we have. many years we've said he is particularly in his leather, long he, leather jacket phase, the head he coach. He wears, yeah, he wears the leather jacket well. Wears it well. The coach coordinator most likely to own a strip club, I think we once postulated <laughs> on, on national television. I don't know how we got away with that. Uh we like Jack. We like Jack Del Rio. I, you know, I don't know if Jack is holding them back. I don't I doubt he's pushing them forward, put it that way. But you have to figure Ron Rivera's deeply involved in the defense yeah, you know, too, because Rivera is a defensive coach. And the suggestion is there's so much talent there. and then Well, there's a whole lot of talent up front, you know, or at least presumed talent. How much mm. of it is actually, produ- I mean, yeah, was Ian Edes was their best guy for a couple of years with all those first rounders. I'm just going to, just going to take a quick look. Cause I think it's all first rounders across the board. Now. Oh yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, it is young Allen yeah. Payne, Montez sweat, sweat. all first rounders. They drafted Mathis in the second round this year. Mm. Um, you know, and of course they got Effie um, as well. Yeah. Effie's there. Of course he is. Um, Chase, that's the Carolina thing, but I think Chase Rivera Young's on the pop list, by the way, see that broke. Yeah. He's going to miss the first four games of the season. See, I, I think Rivera has got to be in the hot seat or, mm. or whoever, put the call on the Carson Wentz. Now, if Carson Wentz turns into Carson Wentz pre-injury and surprises everybody, then, you know, I'm happy to be proven wrong. But whoever made the call on Carson Wentz as their choice for the next quarterback 
Mm. has to, you know, and again, I say whoever made the call, it's whoever gets blamed for the call in terms of the management situation. Urban Meyer is on the market. so (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Tom Brady retires and and then Nick Casario hires him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Matt Wiley asks for our thoughts on how the Vikings will get on this season. I'm cautiously optimistic, he says. That's probably fair. Um, The Vikings are interesting because, you know, you're our old buddy, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell Kevin from, O'Connell, from sure. the Patriots training camp that year. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, Reunited with Kirk Cousins. It's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to judge how that offense is going to go. But there certainly is the talent there. Um, you know, they, you, you have to keep um, Dalvin Cook healthy. Um, right. Make, makes a big difference. But you've got two good receivers there. If you can find a third guy, which a lot of teams need to do. Um, and even with Cook and shop. even with Cook and Thielen, sorry to, to jump in my bet. Sure. Cook and Thielen. Uh, and Jefferson. Both, yes, of course. Cook and Thielen are underperforming by their standards last year for different reasons, right? If they're yeah. bounce back yeah. years to near enough their levels, then they're a formidable offense. And Cousins, you know, statistically Cousins Cousins and Wentz were both top 10 quarterbacks statistically. Yeah. You know, um, and so he can do, he can play well enough to get get the team in the play. Now the question to me is the defense because they brought in Ed Donatell um, and he's switching them from, Mike Zimmer's always been like 4-3, you know, the fancy blitzes, the not fancy double-A gap blitzes, but that was his kind of style. And they've made Quite a few good changes, I think, in terms of getting the personnel they need to run that efficiently. So that that's a Zadarius Smith comes over from the Packers as a pass rusher. Mm. Um, Harrison Phillips from the the Bills is really good. I think he's a, a versatile defensive lineman who could do that. Um, to me, the question is, um, do the rookies in the secondary pan out, mm. which they need? You know, they, they got Booth and and. Um, Lewis um, scene uh, sign, whatever it is um, at safety. And, and, and does Danielle Hunter come back and adjust to the new, you know, he won't be a defensive end. He'll be, Mm. he'll be an outside linebacker. He'll be a pass rush guy, but if he comes back healthy and, you know, can be Danielle Hunter, that could be really good too. So I would say cautious optimism is probably a good way to look at it. Yeah, you go. Seat of approval, Matt, from, from my and Mike, incidentally, two little bits of, trivia for you in the year that o'connell was the washington quarterbacks coach uh, with cousins cousins right. threw for uh, 4091 yards 27 touchdowns and 13 picks so kind of pretty good kind of cousin yeah pretty good cousins uh and we love raising a glass and uh, saluting mike mccartney don't we mike uh, cousins is agent long-standing agent <laughs> who is quite possibly the greatest agent in, in any Form, uh, uh, of, uh, of life. Um, 33 million cousins is earning this year. That's the latest. Cousin. That's pretty good. That's I mean, pretty this, good. this guy has absolutely nailed his grip. Credit to I mean, you, cousins, and Mike McCartney. Yeah. For- I mean, there's funny thing with agents now because, you know, Kyler Murray's agent is also Cliff Kingsbury's agent, which I yeah. find very, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of. And even worse, with all this, um, the whole story about Tom Brady and uh, tampering. Hmm. You know, and and Sean Payton and tampering, you know, that Miami got busted for. They don't punish the players or coaches who are tampered with. You know, it's not like eight men out where, you know, you get punished because you don't report it to the commissioner or something like that. But what about Don Yee, who's their agent? Mm. I mean, I was 
not surprised, but I was, a, no, I wasn't shocked, but I was a little surprised that in, if, if you're going to be an agent for NFL players, the league doesn't require you to report things that are against league rules. Now, asking yeah. an agent to self-report is kind of, is kind of, kind of like asking Eric yeah, Trump I, I, to keep an eye on his father, you know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I remember there was a guy, was it Jeff Musselman? I think he was a pitcher, left-handed pitcher from Dartmouth College who went played for Toronto. And he had a terrible um, car crash, if I remember right. And when he came back, he wasn't going to pitch again. And he decided to become an agent. And Pete Gammons is a great baseball writer, wrote mm. a, a piece about him or something like that. And I wrote a note to Gammons. Let me get this straight. He had a near-death experience and he decided to become an agent. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I said, the, was the light that he saw kind of like the burning flames of hell? <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Well, Mike McCartney, uh, we salute you, my friend. You are nailing it out there. All right. Speaking of which, we'll get a few more um, few more before we get out. Of How do I look now? Or whatever it was that Kirk Cousins said. <laughs> yeah. How'd you like me now? Uh, Simon. Simon C. Hey, Simon. How big a deal? Uh, we kind of asked this, but I'll, but I'll follow up with because he said he specified. How big a deal? It's preseason. Oh. We kind of covered that. But you know what? Seeing as... Um, well, you know, it's always a big deal. And it's a big deal to the guys who are competing for jobs, obviously. But you notice that more and more teams now are eschewing taking the exhibition game, or sorry, crucial NFL preseason games. Mm, nice. um, better, the, the, ex the exhibition game seriously. Mm. And they're instead concentrating on joint practices. Mm. Because in joint practices, I think they, they can better evaluate the players, you know, individually. And you can argue that, yeah, but they're never game conditions. Yeah, you they know? seem to divide opinion because some, you know, heavyweights like Belichick's always been a, a yeah. champion of that and, and and others, McVay, I think as well, but but not everyone. Some coaches don't buy into it for the reason you just you just outlined that isn't it's it's not the same intensity. And I know that yeah. you don't want to have your starters playing with intensity preseason, which is why most of the time they never got involved. But to your point on the the deep waters of the roster. And again, if we bring this back to Belichick and the 42nd to 53rd spots on the roster that are getting filled, that can make the difference, the special teamers that earn their spot and could make the difference in, in terms of the fine margins we, we talked about earlier, then don't you need that, that level of... Yeah, I mean, it's a funny thing. There's a switch, and a lot of people believe this. There's a switch that comes on when you're in front of a crowd, yeah, and and you're playing in a real game, and every, you know, and I, I mean, for years I used to go to NFL Europe World League preseason, and the scrimmages there were basically controlled scrimmages. You know, they were the equivalent of exhibition games, but they were controlled scrimmages, and there would always every year be a couple of guys who looked really good, and then when they arrived in Europe. And they suited up and went out for the first game. They would look really bad. And whether that's because coaches were holding back in the mm. in the, or because, you know, quarterbacks know they're not going to get killed in controlled scrimmages, yeah. um, you know, because that's that's the way the, co the coaches don't want them getting, you know, whether it's those kind of factors uh, or not. Yeah. And then there's there are guys like Cabante Turpin who've played in all, any any league that would basically give you 10 bucks to play. Um, <laughs> and and all of a sudden they come out in the game 
you know, and have a huge, he had two huge kick returns um, and looked really good. It wasn't like, you know, all the, all the guys on the other side just fell down. It was like, he, he looked, he saw an alley, he, he shifted, he had vision, he had quick movement and you think, okay, he's probably made the team off of that. So yeah. I think basically, I think you could do with two exhibition games. You know, you probably, the, the league makes, the teams make money on the exhibition games, um, mm. which is why they want to have more. But, you know, one, to let the guys be evaluated. And you could even put in guidelines where, you know, your first team plays certain number of series and then your second stringers do and your third stringers do. Coaches wouldn't necessarily follow that, but you could try. And then you have another exhibition game which is basically the getting ready for the season one mm. um which is fine fi and even that one is now less and less important um for the starters you know nobody seems to think anymore that the starters need to have that game um at the end of august or whatever mm. to be ready um for it because when you think about it how do you practice in the nfl you know you don't practice game conditions lots of teams hardly hit yeah. all through all through the season you know and then you come out on sunday and play or on thursday or Monday and it's something or, we talked about definitely with the onset of covid and and with the change in preseason and a number of games the sluggish start to the season that certain players particularly defensively have right so do you think we're going to see that more and more that yeah yeah i think so and the old adage used to be the defenses were always ahead of offenses you know mm. coming into but it, it you know you could argue that the sluggishness is down to just not having enough contact right um you know where the advantage defense has is they're reactive rather than proactive and the offense is proactive and the guys know where they're going to go, but that has to be kind of choreographed. You have to learn, you know, to play, to play together and the timing has to be good. Whereas the defense just had to react to that. So defenses were usually way ahead in the first mm. couple of weeks of the season Interesting. Uh, with most offenses, but that is, that is changing. And there was, a, I think Ollie Connolly did a piece about um, how offense and, you know, how defense was ahead of offense and the over-unders were high last season, especially at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And that, 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 that will, that will bounce back. Um, I'm not convinced that will. Um, and I, I, you know, the over-unders again, I, I see, I see the game as being advanced flag football at times. You mm -hmm. know? And, yeah, sure. and, and I wonder if the, if the CTE thing gets worse and worse and the injury kind of, you know, if eventually NFL will become a kind of mm. flagish kind of game, you know, yeah, where, yeah. where that kind of context not, not allowed. That's a fascinating idea. Uh, incidentally, um, for all that talk of offenses having to choreograph and work things, Kyler Murray doesn't need to do that because it's, just, <laughs> it's, all, it's all in his head. So he just doesn't need to worry about any of that. Yeah. Hey, well, it's uh, great. You know, it's great. It's like the hippopotamuses dancing in, in Fantasia. You know, you get that offensive line all <laughs> moving along and one, two, three, kick. One, two, three. I liked that there was the controversy with Randy Moss's kid. Thaddeus uh, mm. Moss, you know, on the, on the, um, it was a wham block basically. Mm. Um, and he took the guy low. Mm. Um, it was Thibodeau. He yeah. took Thibodeau below the knees, low, which you can do because you're in the box there, you mm -hmm. know. And, you know, I was just laughing because, I mean, for the show, the whole Shanahan offense was based on Alec Gibbs and chop blocking, you know. And when they all, when they ran to the right, if you were like the right, uh, defensive tackle, mm -hmm. you turn to go to your left, mm -hmm. and you knew that the, you knew that the tight end on that side 
or the tackle was going to come and take your knee, your yeah. leg out from the rear, from behind. And, you know, and, and you could lose your career on any one of those places. And they mm. never stopped doing it. Mm. And, of course, it was legal because you were inside the, you know, that one yard. Um, in it. They, they changed it now and made it a little bit bigger mm. um, to allow for motion. But, you know, I may, again, going back to NFL Europe, there was one line coach who um, who I knew who Denver used to send linemen to Barcelona and he wouldn't coach. He wouldn't let them chop block. Mm. Um, and Jack McNell, the head coach, you know, agreed with it and said, no, these kids are coming over to try to get a job in the NFL. I'm not going to cost them their career, mm. um, you know, just to win, just to win a game. Fair play. Fair yeah. play. Uh, two more for you, uh, Carlson. Let's, this is a nice one from Hidden Yardage. Hey, Hidden Yardage. Any fond memories writing for and or reading First Down? Wow. Oh, I loved First Down. I, I figured out when first down closed, I figured out I'd written a million words for them. I wonder how many of them I'd read because I, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, and I think I've heard you about this before, but yeah, when I was at school and this was pre-internet and we had limited access to things like this and certainly social media and let alone in it, the stylings and profilings online or for example, the patreon.com, I'm Mike's Patreon column forward slash Mike Carlson FNT dropping into your inbox every Friday. I didn't have any of that. So first down was one of the happiest moments of my week where yeah, I just arrive on a Thursday. I want to say, was it Thursday? I used to get it. Maybe Friday. It would arrive. Thursday or Friday, I think. Yeah. And you know, there were some good people there. Um, um, Andy Colvin, Benson, Ben Saunders, uh, Keith Webster, Keith the Webster. editor, yeah. you know, they, they all worked for newspapers. They all, you know, and, and then uh, Nick Halling had a column for a long time. I had a column, you know, the, um, and I remember being in the commissioner's office once in New York and I was having a meeting with one of the guys who did um, websites and publishing for them. And I was waiting for him and the commission came out with a couple of guys and said hello. And then as he walked away, he said, is that that guy from first down? <laughs> And Love in it. a really suspicious voice, kind of like, and then this I realized, Rosell? was this? No, this was this oh. was the current commission. Oh, oh current commission. Okay, and and I realized that he kind of thought I was Keith Webster, the guy who always asked the embarrassing questions at the Super Bowl ah, commissioner's press yeah. conference because Keith was like the voice of the fans, you know. Yeah, and he was okay. always up wave, waving the flag and and doing that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah, I realized yeah. then that, that he thought that was me. Um, it's an you know, identity cast, so that explains yeah, a lot. Well, I'm thinking, Ken, you know, Keith had a really strong Scottish accent. Yeah, but it's you know, easy my, to, my accent easy to is fairly up. well American. Well, well, to the commission, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it might, it might feel that they're uh, maybe you're becoming more anglicized than you realize, Carlson. Over your time over here, uh, I do recommend my last, not my last column, but the week before. Well, of course, you do. Where, yeah, but <laughs> I wrote the whole column was basically a two act play called Waiting for Goodell. Oh, yes. You messaged me about this. And I've been, because I've been away, so I haven't caught up yeah. on that, Patrick. And yes, it's Theater of the Absurd, uh, mostly about Deshaun Watson, but also about other issues that were up there at, at the time. And and um, um, instead of uh, Vladimir, Vladimir, who wears a Vladimir Dukas um, Jets jersey, and, <laughs> and um, Estragon, Estr- Estr- uh, Estr- Estr- yeah, Estragon becomes Estrogen. <laughs> and <laughs> and it turns out in the end that Lucky has a secret identity, which I won't reveal because it kills the it kills the finish of the of the, of the thing. But yeah, Estrogen is basically spends most of the play polishing a garbage can lid on which he's painted the NFL shield, and every morning he asks Vladimir how to spell NFL. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I love this. Um, and I'm going to reach out to Ian McKellen uh, and see if he's interested. I can, yeah. You know, Ian McKellen and J-Bell. <laughs> what a casting combination what that a, is. What a concept. Who's going to direct it? That's what I'm going to Me. say. Me. Of course you're going to do. Of course you are, Cast. I want to, I want to part for Quarterbot in there. Maybe he could, Quarterbot could be lucky. Uh, all right. We're going to have one more for the road. Uh, okay. Andy Yule. Because we mentioned Teddy B earlier on, so we're going to wrap with him. What week will Teddy B be the Dolphins' starting quarterback? I'm going with week four or five. I mean, if we're talking of hot seats, is two on a hot seat? I, that's that's a very interesting question because it assumes the two is on a hot seat. Um, I'm not convinced. I think Mike McDaniel's probably thinks that Tua is his guy. Mm. Um, now I know they've been talking him up, you know, and Tyree Kill came in and said all these great things. Um, I've read people saying or heard people saying, you know, Tua can't throw the deep ball, but he can throw yeah. the deep ball. That's yeah. what he did at Alabama. He needs right. he needs to be set to throw it. You know, that that's take you have to take that for granted. But the whole point of McDaniel's offense, if it's anything like the San Francisco Shanaclan kind of offense, mm -hmm. is that with play action, he will have some time to get set. And with the speed of the receivers he's mm -hmm. got, it's not going to take all day for, you know, for his guys to get open downfield or, you know, if they're just running straight fly batters. Yeah. So I think I think the odds and the reason why Miami is ahead of New England, well, one of the reasons, another one being that if Matt Patricia or Joe Judge is your de facto offensive coordinator, I think you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but but um, but, you know, one of the reasons why Miami is ahead of New England in the, you know, when you look at the odds for, for the AFC East is because of that. I think, mm -hmm. I think the, the feeling is the two is going to deliver. Now, if he doesn't, Teddy Bridgewater is probably a really good backup to have mm -hmm. in that case, you know, but I don't see this being a situation like where Fitz came in and they played better when Fitz came in. It's a pinch hitter. And yeah, yeah I mean that the team actually, was better because what he was doing was better for the team. I think mm. everything's going to be structured to make Tua play well. Mm. And if the O-line holds up, which is still, I think, the question, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, of course, um, you can go out and get yourself an expensive injury-prone left tackle and then forget that Tua is a left-handed quarterback. So the, guy, <laughs> the guy that you really want is an expensive injury-prone veteran right. right tackle. But, but oh, there, you, but there oh. you go. Brilliant stuff. <laughs> Carlson, it is always a pleasure, as we said at the top of the show, all through the season, every Monday. Is that that's going to be that's going to be fun. Yeah, looking forward to that. Looking course, forward to that. You know, I always complain about Mondays because a I'll probably be up and and b Hang on, you'll probably be up. What do you mean? Well, you know, watching Monday. Night oh, I see. Football, you know, okay. and, then, oh, right. and, okay. and B, and you never know. You know, you don't have time to think about it. You don't know the Monday night result. You, you know? don't need time come to when, think about it. Come Wednesday, it's come Wednesday or so. I've I've got so many. So many better it's ideas. Well, well, what, what our listeners should do that is listen to us on Monday and subscribe to your Patreon column. There you go. Yeah, huh? absolutely. It's I can't promise the new theater, the absurd play, but you know, as long as the NFL keeps up the way they are, I'll probably be able to come up with another one. I want to hear your take on Long Day's journey tonight around the NFL. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I want to see next. The Iceman coming. The Iceman coming. <laughs> yeah. I mean, brilliant stuff. Follow Mike on Twitter at Carlson Sports and apparently on TikTok pretty soon by the look of it. So uh, get, involved, get involved there. We'll be back uh, with plenty more where this came from. See you soon. Bye for now. Cheers, Mike. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
Hey gang, now there's something I just can't get out of my mind. Nope, not the time that Iron Mike rocked up to record a show in a tank top and speedos. Oh, despite all the years that I've been covering the NFL, I've had to face the startling realization that I am amongst the worst fantasy football players in the history of the world. So I'm doing something about it, roping in some big league or pro fantasy talent, courtesy of the brilliant James Sandrini, a.k.a. The Guru. And together, along with some very special guests, we are dropping FFS, Fantasy Football Sharps, each and every week throughout the 2022 season. So if, like me, you're the Cleveland Browns of your respective fantasy league, time to re-up. Check out FFS, available in our NC Show pod feed. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.